Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. We're the co-founders of Ask Us For Ideas, or Alfie as most people call it, where we help the world's most ambitious businesses, large or small, to connect with a collection of the best and most exciting creative agencies from around the world. Being at the intersection of these brands and creative teams for the best part of a decade has allowed us to get to know some truly exceptional people. This podcast, Private Views, aims to shine a light on that, with the first series publishing conversations inside some of the industry's most exciting creative studios, digging deep, looking beyond their portfolios and into their unique experiences and thought processes. In this episode, we visit the London office of Design Studio, a global agency with outposts in New York, San Francisco and Sydney. Theirs is an approach that values experience. While elsewhere, designers have eyes squarely fixed on computer screens. At Design Studio, designers are asked to draw inspiration from living and breathing inside the brand. Launching a new food delivery service, Design Studio put their strategists and designers on the back of delivery bikes, zipping around the busy streets of London to get a taste. I think a lot of them do just think of it as an aesthetic exercise. And once they see it can really help elevate them and drive their business, um, then they trust us. The result is that design and strategy are actually merged in a way that few other studios have managed. Their iconic work for Airbnb put them on the map in the way that most agencies can only dream of, but time has proven they can deliver with this level of execution over and over again. It's why brands like the Premier League use them for their much-coveted rebrand, and why their design prowess is harnessed by unicorn status startups like Twitter and Deliveroo. Our producer David Michon visited Design Studio to talk about the design value of getting your hands dirty and why they feel that, for a successful project, the client needs to put in just as much time as they do. I'm Paul Stafford. I'm the co-founder and the CEO here at Design Studio. Yeah, we're a design and branding agency that's based uh, predominantly firstly in London, um, but now we have offices in San Francisco, New York and Sydney. Uh, and can you tell me how you, you got started, a bit, of your, a bit of your kind of origin story and uh, where you are today because you've just kind of celebrated 10 years? That's right. Yeah. Um, so really, I mean, I started this journey well back in 2000 when I started working in London uh, as a designer. Uh, and I came out to London with Ben, who's now my co-founder, who's also a designer. And I think really where it started from was that um, after about six or seven years in the industry, we hadn't quite found uh, that place where we wanted to settle. Like we felt like this is it. This is delivering what we wanted to deliver. And I think we were both of us frustrated to the point of like, it's either we carry on in this role and we're not feeling fulfilled or we go and do something else. And I think Ben was really in the camp of like, that's it, I'm, I'm gonna go do something else. Um, and I think it's really because I didn't feel like we were really making an impact. I think as a designer, you felt slightly like your role was quite small in part of the process. So you either went to an agency where it was just pure design play and you're making beautiful um, artifacts for, for kind of smaller brands. Um, and they were slightly meaningless. They were beautiful and they were great to share with your peers, but actually they weren't, they weren't helping a business massively. They, they weren't driving any commercial impact. Uh, and then I think the flip side was that we found we, uh, we were working at big agencies, which were usually network agencies, where um, you know strategy 
played a much bigger role. And I really enjoyed that, understanding how the work was going to actually help transform something. But I think the design thinking was really pushed down, and that's where you felt like a quite a small um, part of the process. You were um, just there to make bring something to life or make it to look nice, and, and you weren't involved in those strategy sessions. And I just found that hugely frustrating. Uh, and, and really what I wanted to do is work having that design thinking across the entire process and understand not only how it could engage a full team, but how it could make this difference to a business, how it could transform a business, help them commercially, help them culturally, et cetera. And I think that's when we decided that we have to build this because it doesn't exist. Um, and so, yeah, 10 years ago, without a single client, without really any money in the bank, and masses actually, when I think about it, of naivety um, about how to do this, we just said, that's it. Our freelance kind of uh, terms had come had aligned perfectly to finish at Christmas, and we said fifth of January we come back and we start this company, and and that's it. We we sat at a desk, we had an empty inbox, and we just kept refreshing it. We contacted a few people that we knew, um, and I remember we got one tiny three hundred euro job um, from a place that we'd worked for before freelancing. But gradually, we just built that up, built that up, gave everything, gave our all to even those tiny projects. And that grew into a huge client for us. And through that, we built notoriety. We kept pushing great work out there, telling our story. And, and eventually, I think the big turning point was that Airbnb job where, you know, we were no longer somebody that didn't have the credentials. We now had a credential that was actually making a huge impact and was a huge success. And then obviously the, the new business after that was much easier because we had a proof point. And really that's that's how it started and that's how it's escalated from there. Uh, yeah, I'm curious, um, you know, when you were rethinking uh, this kind of traditional process of strategy and then followed by design, how is it that it works here? I mean, um, what is the involvement of the of the of design, um, you know, and kind of visualization of concepts um, at a at a stage where strategy might still be in process? So it's not. Um, what we tried to shift was just the and or attitude. We tried to just build a single team that is strategist and designers at the same time. And I think what comes from that is, you know, that strategy has a role to play in even the design. It has, a, it has a role to play in imagining how design comes to life and makes an impact. It needs to be there, present. It can't, shouldn't just disappear after what's traditionally known as the strategy phase is over. And the same with design. So design should be there at the beginning. It should understand the strategy. It should listen to the conversations, interview the clients, learn about the business to then understand what it has to articulate throughout the business. And I think that was just a slight shift in mindset that we didn't get previously. And I think that's because it was a, um, it's a bit of a costing thing, really. You know, it, why should I pay for a designer when we're going through the strategic phase? I think was traditionally the, the view of the client and, and therefore was met with businesses just saying, well, therefore, this is just a pure play strategy team. But we just changed that and we educated the clients as to like how important it was that that makes a bigger impact for their business, having designers go through the entire process and the same with the strategists too. So the way we start is by also trying to remove, I think this is another objective of the business, just the bullshit that's in this industry. Um, there's no other way of saying that. There was just so much bullshit and sales techniques and pretending to go into clients, pretending to be absolute experts in their business. There's no way you can be. You know, you can you can do as much desk-based research as you want, but learning about uh, a huge startup that's kind of escalated and grown to a $4 billion company in, in India, you know, from London, you're never going to learn that. And, and so I think we tried to shift that mentality to say that we know nothing 
And what we're going to do is we're going to send our team that's going to work with you through this process to absorb absolutely everything about your business, get on the ground and just sit with them for as long as it takes, interview as many people as possible, like do um, use their product, whether that means riding bikes around India or um, traveling the world with Airbnb. It's like, we have to absolutely understand this product before we can become experts in it. And so that's the process that I think we also changed was like, we tried to remove the bullshit. We tried to stop separating the teams and we just sent those full teams over to absolutely absorb themselves in our clients' businesses and become experts, become part of their teams. Hi, Dan. Hi. David. Yes. I'm Joe. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you? My name's Joe Hewitt. Uh, I'm a senior strategist at Design Studio. What for you kind of sets a kind of design studio strategic uh, approach apart from maybe other design studios? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> one of the things we like, I don't know if I can say this, uh, one of the things we like to say is um, uh, just being very aggressive about no bullshit. Um, and... I think in a lot of the cases, um, and you know, calling sort of no agencies out, but but rather, I think the strategic process has grown to become uh, a purely a sellable uh, sort of um, package. Um, I think really the difference with Design Studio is that the strategic process um, is much more about setting up uh, a, a way of understanding for the client, and also a design process is going to make sense. So. In terms of what that means, it's sort of hyper, hyper sort of simplicity in terms of kind of what we create. Um, asking a lot of kind of dumb questions, you might have sort of heard that before, but but really sort of trying to understand um, everything to do with the business and articulating that in a in a very very simple way for everyone to understand. And what value for you is is this kind of immersive process at the at that kind of starts, or is at the start? close to the start of every product yeah it's very it's very much the start of the process and i think it's it's getting kind of a real kind of grounded human simple understanding of what this feels like because at the end of the day i think you know the best brands are surely based on sort of insight and understanding what it's like to be that but actually articulating a way in articulating it in a way that feels um you know super exciting very emotional very human and something in a, in a way that kind of people are going to understand it's always it's always sort of means a lot more if the um, if the client also feels like it's the right answer because they were part of the process in terms of creating it. Can you give a, a good example of, of an immersion process that really maybe transformed how you saw a particular client or their place in the market? I think they all do. I think you go in with. It's impossible not to go in with an opinion of like, okay, I've through a pitch, you've had to do some research and you've had to look at them, but we try and dismiss it. But that's, I think you go in with a, I can see the problem here. This is the issue, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, they, they seem like they've got their act together in this part. And actually over here, it seems like where it's falling apart, et cetera. So, you know, these are, pro these are the ways that we're probably going to have to address the, the problem. But actually every single time we go over there and you start talking to people, we completely change our mind after the week or two weeks we've been immersing with them we'll have found so many other parts of the business that are are wrong or need changing or things that are fantastic about them that need elevating etc we'll find a culture that's wrong um, and actually that's driving the bigger issue that we we thought originally um, so there's no one i guess example of it i just think that every single time we do immersion we come out completely um surprised by what the actual answer is and what that actually needs doing as part of the process and do you feel like you know this approach is it does it demand quite a lot from the client because obviously this kind of deep immersive process it requires them to kind of 
you know, I guess facilitate the, these kind of really intensive uh, kind of immersion process? Yeah, 100%. I think it's, it's a common um, point that people underestimate when they're a client. They think um, we need to rebrand. We need to really figure out what our role is in our customers' minds. Um, let's bring in an agency. We'll task them with doing this for the next three months, uh, and then we'll be sorted. And they think they'll hand over a brief and then have a few check-ins, uh, and that'll be it. Um, and one of the first things we say in the meetings when we meet the client is this is going to take as much as your time as it does as ours. And not just the marketing teams, um, but the entire business. And really fundamentally, the founders or the CEO, the person who's driving the vision, it needs their time. And if we can't get their time, I can guarantee it will fail. Or they will feel like it's a failure because it, it won't have... It won't have had the time of like us understanding what that business needs to do, its role it needs to play uh, driven from that founder because he won't be involved in the process. And so really, if you think, look at all the huge success stories, um, we've had just time where our teams have done as much work together, really trying to figure out fundamentally what is their meaningful difference. And so we, we quite often really drive that hard in just the first meeting that they need to give us as much of their time as possible to the process. What are some of the things, I, I mean, I, I suppose I kind of asked this before, but what are, what are some of the things that you've done in this process you know, I, um, on the one hand, it, it's kind of easy to understand, oh, you're working for a delivery service, so you go out and do some yeah. deliveries. But what are some other uh, kind of elements of that immersion process which are maybe kind of less uh, kind of like fun and glamorous? Or yeah. <laughs> I don't know uh, if that's glamorous, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, the thing is quite often it's not glamorous. I think a lot of people think those things are glamorous, but it's all just part of the process. So the other things we'll do is we, the first thing is no matter where our clients are, we need to move our team to be in their office. Um, and we'll arrange interviews, et cetera, et cetera. But, and I'll go back to those things. But actually just being in the office, walking along corridors and having those kind of um, just conversations with people as you're passing by is really important. You will hear some incredible nuggets of information from people who you wouldn't have expected or wouldn't have been on a key stakeholder list of people you needed to interview. So it's really important that we're just there, present. People see us. People gradually become kind of relaxed with being in the office. Then we just have these kind of organic conversations with people. That's hugely important. So being there is one thing. Um, other things that happen are, yeah, the interviews. So we will try and pick, and, uh, you know, I did this last week. We had like 40 people throughout the business. Of course, that's where we're talking and sitting with the founders. Of course, that's where we're sitting with all the marketing teams. But also things that people don't expect us to talk to or need to talk to, like the legal teams, it's the HR teams. Um, the product teams, etc. We need to understand everything about this business because the brand affects every part of that business. So we need to talk to all those people. And then we try and take a vertical slice through the business as well. So it's not just the top. I think the problem with just interviewing the top is um, they're the guys that get together quite often. They'll probably have leadership team meetings and they are going to give you sometimes a bit of a rose-tinted view on what the business is like and what the culture is like because it's what they hope it's like. So you really need to listen to that, but then talk to people like much lower down in the organization to understand, is it really like this? What are your frustrations? How can the brand help culturally? What does it feel like to be there? Um, then we'll workshop with the teams. So um, through the interviews, we will come out with lots of tensions, things that we hear that are in opposition to each other. And we can't have that going forwards. You know, we need to be aligned. There's no point launching into creating beautiful aesthetic um, photography guidelines and logos and, and mission statements if actually 
the business isn't really aligned and pointing in that direction. So if we do find those tensions, we have to workshop those. And, and I think our workshops turn into therapy sessions. You know, we've often had two founders that have had something they've disagreed on for years, but they just don't talk about it because they know it's something they disagree on. And we bring it to the surface and get alignment around it. Hi, um, I'm Daisy. I'm a designer at Design Studio, very meta. Yeah, could you talk about how you personally, you know, using Deliveroo as an example or some other, uh, how you felt like those experiences you had translated then into design work? Some, mm -hmm. some insights that maybe you felt you, you wouldn't have otherwise had? Mm -hmm. um, well, apart from Deliveroo, I'd probably say Riot Games with the League of Legends European Championship is probably a really good example of that because if we hadn't done the immersion, as we call it, then I don't feel like we would have ever understood kind of the meaning behind the league. And the biggest thing that we basically found out was that community was such a big part of it and that was the most defining part compared to all the other leagues was that community was what drives and really gets behind them and has a connection with the fans and the players. So it's constantly bringing people together. So that was something we always knew that we needed to do was to empower the community just as much as the league itself. So that was super useful, yeah. Definitely wouldn't have known that at all if we hadn't gone and played the game, gone and met everyone playing it, like gone and see the stuff live. Like we're still working with them, which is amazing. And it's just great to see how like it's being taken on in that sense too. So hopefully it's working. I think it is. <laughs> when you're kind of sat in front of a, a client mm. um, for the first time and you're trying to get into a project, mm -hmm. you know, from a designer's point of view, what are the questions that you, you know, feel like you want to start asking at the very start of things? Um, oh, like everything really. I know that's kind of an annoying answer, but you want to know like why, what brings them to work every day? Like what keeps them at that company? Like where do they see it going? Like where, what's a success story for them in the future, like as much as possible. <laughs> and do you think, you know, obviously this is, this is not a, a, a traditional element of, of the role of a designer, um, as you've said, do you think that's a challenge for people who, who kind of like come to design studio and, uh, you know, are kind of just out of college maybe, or even have had a lot of experience in a studio where design is, is, is a lot more separate from that, those elements of, of the work and the project to all of a sudden, kind of like be riding a, a motorbike around Delhi or something. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there is the opposite. It's not, sorry, it's not, a, it's not, um, it's not the people coming out of colleges that are really shocked by it. I think it's the people who've probably done 10, 12 years in, in industry that are shocked by it. Um, I think a lot of those people that come in after that time, they're, they're wanting to, to, to change the way they've worked. They're probably in a similar position to the, that we were in when we started the business. But yeah, those people have usually gone through that very traditional like handover during the strategy stage and now you pick this, this work up. And it does take a little bit of time for them to, to, to understand what the immersion process is and get up to speed. But actually we do find there's a real hunger to do it. And, and they really feel like actually there's much more meaning behind their role when they do it. I think every person who's been through a certain amount of studios, there's a certain rhythm to how they do something. Um, and even though the answer may be slightly unpredictable, you sort of know how they're gonna get there. Whereas the guys at the colleges, they haven't built that process into doing things. It, it's, it's not a routine. So they come in and just look at things very differently. And so we, we really encourage that because we want those ideas, that thinking that, that, that's gonna be completely different, completely new.
Obviously, you know, there are kind of senior people, creative directors, but also quite an empowered kind of junior set. So how is, you know, what's the interaction there or what are the role of, of the kind of creative directors in, in kind of leading a project or guiding it? How do, you know, what's the dynamic? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think this is a fine line between those two words, leading, guiding, and dictating. And I think that's the, the, something we really keenly focus on uh, here at Design Studio. I think we've all, we've all worked with the creative directors that really make you feel like you're a vessel for their kind of creative ideas. And that's not what we want. And I think with that comes ego. And I think that's what I'm really talking about here is that, that we have to make sure our creative directors haven't got an ego. They're here to guide the project, to empower the team and to be challenged, you know, and they shouldn't build a, a culture where those interns, those juniors are scared to voice their opinion, scared to challenge them because they're the dictator dictating what the right and wrong decisions are. So really we try and make sure that balance is right. I think... Um, I think the creative director we got are fantastic at doing it. I think they've built a culture where everyone feels that they can really challenge anything, that they can really bring an idea. And even if it's a terrible idea, they're not scared to pin it up and have it challenged and torn down. But the creative directors aren't here to kind of crush them. They're here to guide them. They're here to bring their experience to make sure. And ultimately, you know, they will sometimes have to make that decision. But that's what they're here to do. They're here to guide the process, to get the best from the team and get the best answers. I think when it's been the other way around and you see this with lots of agencies and I'll completely admit that we've been there in the past is that you can tell when you've had creative directors that are, are too egotistical because your work starts looking the same. And we've had that voiced on the blogs and things like that before. And I think there was a period of time where actually, you know, you could see a few people were making the, the, all the decisions and all of a sudden you start to see their hallmarks, their signatures on everything. And that's, that's not right. We need to make sure that every project is right for our clients, not just right for us so um you've got to be really careful with making sure that the creative directors guide not just start dictating so as i when i started here as an intern i was actually thrown completely into the deep end and was started on delivery right from the start which is an amazing project because it just got to show me how the length of the studio goes to really understand a client and a project and what it's all about to make it more meaningful for everyone working on it which I think is super important and super valuable so that obviously men going around and being delivery drivers which is <laughs> not something that I feel like a lot of agencies probably do but I feel like, again it's like super worthwhile it's also really fun because you get to see all the different parts of the company, all the different people, like that's such a big thing, I think, really understanding like the nitty gritty of these people's every day to make what we do actually work. And what's the what's kind of culture of, of working in, in the design <laughs> studio offices? Um, oh, this is gonna sound super cliche, but it's just, culture is such a big part of the studio. Like the fact that it's really open, really friendly, like everyone's feels comfortable enough to go and be nosy with each other, which I think is really important. Like. We do designer catch-ups and strategy catch-ups every other Friday. So we always know what people are going on and like what people are working with, if anyone needs any help. Like it's that kind of freedom and comfortable kind of nature that I think is really good. Great, Daisy. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's really fun. That was producer David Michon visiting the London office of Design Studio. A big thank you for myself, Nick and Toby for listening. 
Thank you also to Paul, Joe and Daisy for their time, to Sean Crook for editing this episode, to George Grinling for the theme music, and to Maid Thought for Private Views as Visual Identity. To find other episodes, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. And to find out more about us, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're also on social media channels using the handle at askusforideas. And finally, please do share this episode, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and do listen to the others we put out as part of this series. Until next time. Thank you.